Welcome to another... Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. You hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Hi, I'm Matt Lewis, Neville Longbottom from the Harry Potter films, and now your hosts, Melissa and Ellie. Hey Potter people, welcome to the fifth edition of Pottercast. I'm Melissa, we have a great show for you today. First of all, our fan interview is with some very special fans, the ones who have made a musical career out of Harry Potter. Our lounge moderator, Brooke, interviews Harry and the Potters, the punk band who regularly dress up like Hogwarts students and perform songs based on the books. Uh, at a break at one of their recent appearances, they sat down to talk about their books, their work, their recent spate of appearances in high-profile media sources, including the Boston Globe, MTV.com, and Forbes.com, and some more. Then we will debut right here on Pottercast one of their all-new songs about Harry and Ginny in Book 6. After that, we have this week's Modcast, where the topic of conversation is all about Godric's Hollow and the events of October 31st, 1980 in the books. That is, the night that Harry's parents were killed and Harry was not. After that, we're very proud to have the first part of our three-part interview with Matt Lewis, who plays Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter films. This week's bit is all about Book 6 and the books in general, about Snape, Horcrux's Dumbledore, Neville and his future, and even some conjecture on Neville's love life. Matt's not only a great guy, but he's a big Harry Potter fan, so he has a lot to say. After that, we'll go right back to answering your questions in the mailbag segment, and we will announce the winner of our impersonations contest from last week. So let's go to Sue for the news, and then John and I will join her to discuss it. See you soon. Listening to the news? Again? As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. Hi everyone, Sue Upton here with your Harry Potter news recap for you. Most of our news had to do with the film Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and we got lucky this week as we saw the release of not one, but two brand new trailers for the film. There was a lot of great new footage from the film in these new trailers. Shots of Mad-Eye Moody, funny stuff with Ron and Hermione, great shots of Harry in action during the contest, and some very cool stuff from the Quidditch World Cup of the teams. And there was also some very scary and serious stuff, including the competition the graveyard with Cedric and Harry and it's just heartbreaking stuff and we also got a quick glimpse of you know that's right so you can see screen caps to all of this as well as the trailers plus we have our book to trailer comparison stuff up on the website so be sure and check us out at theleakycauldron.org speaking of the films there was a new interview with actress Katie Ling who plays Cho Chang and she appeared on Scotland Today television talking about how her life has changed since she's joined the Potter film cast Speaking of the films as well, there was also yet another interview with Mike Newell, the film director, and he talked about how the film is increasingly darker and how he hopes that everyone will really like this thriller, as he's calling it. We can't wait to see it either, Mike, so this is great stuff. So for all your news and information, please be sure to check out our website, theleakycauldron.org, where it's updated continually. And now, on with the show. And now I'm here with Melissa and John to talk about, in depth, a little bit more about our news. Melissa? Hello, John. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so cheery. Um, Sue and I are the day quill bunch this week. Absolutely. Uh, are killing us big time. Yeah. Sorry. I, I mean, for whoever's listened to the mix muggle cast, Potter cast thing, Andrew was very choked up, and I blame him. I don't know how. Through Skype, he gave me allergies, and now I can't breathe through my nose. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, He's Muggle a jerk. Fault. That's right. We're all yeah. plugged. It's their fault. It's all Muggle's fault. <laughs> um, well, then, then the news part, we saw so many cool things about with the trailer and film pictures. It was awesome, awesome. I thought the new trailers were just fantastic. 
especially the part at the end with you know who. He looked very scary. So, yes, so we didn't get any reaction yet about the trailer. What did you think? I thought it was, you know, I thought they were both excellent. We saw the, the new one that WB released here in the States and then the one that aired on UK television, and I thought they were both really, really good, although the UK television one was a little better, in my opinion, but I cannot mm. get over the end part. I was not expecting them to put that glimpse of you-know-who at the end. I just That really shocked me, and it was really scary, the part with, you know, um, Pettigrew and the cauldron and Cedric, and, and, and he says, who, who, who's out there? Who are you? I mean, my heart just, you know, broke, you know, it just sank right then. You know? Sue is a Hufflepuff. I am. I can't help it. She oh, likes Cedric. That's my point. That's right. Oh, going to be in the morning. Oh, I am going to be bawling through that. It's going to be terrible. You have to, like, move away from me. It's going to be awful. It is really touching. Yeah. I, I'm really... And, and that's I, I really do think that that person who holds up Cedric's arm in front of the maze is his father because I will bet large amounts of money that they are going to increase Cedric's father's role so that when he dies yeah. it is that much more horrible to watch oh yeah mm. yeah I don't know if anyone told you this but Cedric dies at the end <laughs> shut up don't John you suck you really do there you go. John, I'm trying not, not to remind her. I'll that. lose her as an editor for like weeks. She'll go into mourning and Aww. just keep her mind off it, please. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to suck. John. Listen, this is the best thing ever for, for Robert Pattinson <laughs> because he comes into the series. He gets celebrated as this gorgeous guy. Every girl wants him. He looks adorable, gets a girlfriend, competes bravely, is a jock, gets killed, can go on and do other movies. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Into the franchise and out. <laughs> I thought he was in the fifth movie as a as a ghost. That's in John's private movie. <laughs> Doesn't he come back as a ghost? What series of books are you reading, dude? Like, I gotta ask you. <laughs> I'm, I'm Cedric the Ghost. Does he wear a white sheet, John? <laughs> yes, he does. Does he look for the great pumpkin while he's at it too? He, you know, he, he does. <laughs> and and when he goes trick or treating, he gets a rock. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what happens. Oh, John, you, you concern it, me. Story. It's very disappointing. John, just you worry me. Yeah. Anyway, what about these? All these new pictures that we've got. Oh, um, weren't they? A awesome? lot of great new glimpses. Oh, I haven't those seen graveyard pictures. pictures. Uh, the, Harry's like collapsed by the cauldron, and uh, Cedric's. You and just you can knew see what's coming at that Oh my God! It was just awful to see that and and you know harry with that and he's tied up you know with that statue i mean it's just you know creepy and scary and yeah that crazy statue man that, that crazy... was not in the book yeah. Yeah. yeah and by the way the answer to your question john about that spell there isn't a spell they just snap their fingers and the person is covered in ropes or whatever for there isn't a spell i don't think there is have you I checked with steve wrong. Check you. You go do that while Sue and I chat. Uh, Sue, what did you think of uh, Voldemort uh, at the end there? You know, I, I you couldn't really tell, but I wanted his eyes to be a little bit more red. But there was great discussion mm. if that was like you know him before he was in his rebirth state oh, or, or whatever. Absolutely. But I thought he looked just slimy, evil, gross, disgusting, perfect. I thought he looked good. Sure. Well, that's I, I think I agree that that's before he. He goes into the cauldron. He looks feeble. He looks miserable. Yeah. Um, yeah, when he gets like his body back, seat. he's going to be one happy, happy, happy overlord. So, but you know, I think in one in one of the other one 
shots. We saw like a hand reaching to pull the mask, that creepy, freaky mask, that skull mask mm-hmm. off on the death. And it had those long fingernails and gross looking hands. And I thought that was Voldemort, you know, so I thought that looked right. That matched what I thought his hands would look like. So Yeah. And that's probably mm-hmm. Lucius behind it. Yeah. Oh, yes, Lucius. Oh, Lucius. God. Luscious, Lucius. Woo. Oh, so. Sorry. Put a cap on it, so. Okay, I'm stopping that conversation. This pic- these pictures of the Yule Ball. Happy, happy, fluffy Yule Ball. Um, Cedric and Cho, they look like man and wife. They're really playing up their, their role as head couple of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? they're doing good. I look beautiful, guys. Does Hermione and Harry get to dance? Do they get a dance? I don't think they do, Anybody John. Know? I don't think I so. don't think they do. I know that you're disappointed by that. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <sighs> oh, yeah. John. I found out something recently no. about John. What's that? Yeah. That's okay. You can tell him. Should I? Yeah. I want to hear I'm going to get a lot of mail okay. over this. It's, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. There's, there's plenty of us. <laughs> John is a Harry Hermione shipper. <gasps> Gasp. Gasp. Shock horror. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing no, wrong with it at all. No. No, there, there is. Oh, there isn't. I don't know why people think we think there's there is. Not. If that's your preference, a whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't ship, so it doesn't really bother me anyway. Either way, but Sue doesn't ship. I don't. Unless it mentions Sirius and me, then that's fine. Well, just that there's there's so many clues for Harry Hermione in book four. It's just, it's ridiculous. Go ahead, John. Line them so up. So many clues. Well, this is oh, we've I, been we've been getting a lot of a lot of a lot of requests for a Harry Hermione shipper on the show. So there you go, guys. Here's Harry Hermione shipper John Noe. Well, oh, I mean, run. I'm not like an expert by any means, but I mean, let me think. Um, like like towards the end of the book where um. Like everybody's going home and and Fleur's saying about everybody and like uh, I think uh, doesn't she kiss Harry on the cheek and then Hermione looks all pissed off and just glares at her. <laughs> I'm not going into this conversation. I'm not. No, I I know that happens. I remember that. Doesn't that happen? Um. She kisses Harry and then Hermione just looks all pissed off. I'm not saying it. <laughs> what? Because I'm not a shipper know, either. This is the thing. I'm going to get out my book. I have had to define myself as a shipper because of the fandom. When I came into this thing, I had no idea what all this was. And somebody said, oh, you're a Ron Hermione shipper. I said, no, I know. I read the books, and that's what I think is going to happen. No, no, no. You're a Ron Hermione shipper. Okay. So I'm not a shipper. But I will tell you that that does happen after Fleur kisses Ron. Uh-uh, that's Harry. She doesn't even kiss Ron. Does she kiss Ron? Or says something to Ron, or says something to Ron. I don't know. Apparently there's a semicolon. I don't know. I don't remember. Mm, no, I think you're a little mistaken. You need to read the books again. I've been told that. Okay, okay, guys. It's it's 11 minutes long, and we're sounding like Muggle-cast. <laughs> okay, can we talk about burn. one more thing? One more thing, yeah. please, Muggle please. And I'll burn. get in trouble for this. But did you guys see the picture of Harry in the in the bathtub oh. I can say that I know that there's more of that on the way okay yeah. Ooh. there are going to be more, <laughs> more explicit pictures of that on the way and I'm terrified I am terrified I want to shut Leaky down that day that that high res picture comes out <laughs> Uh, I read because I don't want to watch all these fangirls. Because the girls were just freaking out over that when we posted those, oh, and oh God. man, it's gonna get worse. I know. I, I was I was reading an, an email that came in 
from the president of Warner Brothers, and we were talking about how there's this scene after, when he's in the bathtub that uh, that uh, Hermione comes in by mistake, and they. Okay, I'm, st- I'm stopping this okay. conversation. Stop. No. What Stop. happened? <laughs> Stop. Yes. Eh, wrong. Stop. Yeah. Okay. okay, so that guys, this this is getting too long, and I'm I'm just I'm done. I'm tired of you guys. We gotta move on. Moving on. A lot. We love Hurry you. up! You're wasting time. <laughs> well, we have next is coming an interview with Harry and the Potters, which many of our yes. readers Great. like to listen to better than they like to listen to us. So, and a brand new song from the Harry and the Potters, Excellent. exclusively on Pottercast about mm-hmm. the, one of the most uh, awful ships in the fandom. Which one? Some crazy redheaded girl. <sighs> oh, John. That, that isn't Hermione. It's a fun song, though. It's a good song. Yes. All right, let's go. Wait. Let's go. Okay, bye. Bye, everybody. You have fun with the rest of the podcast. Pottercast is brought to you by the Leaky Cauldron, the top spot for Harry Potter news on the web. We're also brought to you by Streamload.com. Streamload is a service that allows you to share large files with your friends. They give you unlimited storage, so whatever you have, you can host it. And for about 10 bucks a month, you get 10 gigabytes of transfer. Now, 10 gigabytes is about 300 of these podcasts. We've been using Streamload for over a year at Leaky, and we just think they're great. So if you need it, go to Streamload.com. It's freedom for your digital lifestyle. And now, it's time for, in the fan corner, a one-on-one interview with a new lucky fan each week. Wicked. I'm sitting here with Paul and Joe DeGeorge from Harry and the Potters. How's it going? I'm Paul. Listeners of the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I know you guys came up with the idea for this band um, after you were going to have a rock show in your backyard and all the bands canceled. Yeah. So... Why Harry and the Potters, specifically? We thought it would be... We kind of always wanted to have some sort of project where we'd be able to play rock shows in weird places like libraries and juxtapose, you know, quiet time with awesome, loud rock music. And, um, you know, we thought that might be a good tool if we started writing some songs then. It was kind of an idea we had brewing in our head for a while, just like a funny band name with a stupid idea. <laughs> Then we did it. <laughs> How did that first show go? Um, badly. <laughs> we like wrote the six songs in like an hour before the show and rehearsed them like twice. We had we and then we raided our closet for costumes. We, uh, I think I wore my graduation robe, which was black, and Joe wore a sweater vest, and yeah. it was. I looked pretty, like an old Harry Potter. Yeah, it was pretty non-wizardly, but... <laughs> like an old man Harry Potter. Some of the songs we still play <laughs> in exactly the same form, with exactly the same lyrics. So, you're getting some pretty big attention from the media lately. You've been in the Boston Globe and U.S. News and World Report, and just a few weeks ago you were in Entertainment Weekly. Right. Yeah. Um... Every time somebody calls us up, I'm just kind of astonished, and you kind of wonder how they heard about your silly little band that's been playing in libraries for two years, and I don't know, it's it's just so bizarre, and it's like it's the kind of thing that we're we're in control of it, so we don't really have like an outside perspective and understand how people are finding out about us. I guess it's all for the internet, um, or at least I assume so, but it's just strange to see it work. Um, see it working and it's such a mystery to us it's not like we're 
actively seeking publicity. We don't have a publicist or anything. All we do is book shows. <laughs> That's it. And somehow people find out about us and write want to write about us. <laughs> Well, the Harry Potter forces are out in mass. Yeah, I think that's what it is. They're they are online and they are plentiful. <laughs> that they are. <laughs> You've been in, involved in other like musical projects, right, with other bands. Yeah. How does being in Harry and the Potters compare? Um, a lot more people go to Harry and the Potter shows <laughs> than any other band we. Yeah, it's a little easier to get people to the shows, um, but it's. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little easier in general because um, we try and book ourselves into more unconventional places. And if you were if we were booking a like a club tour, we would have to do it like three or four months in advance, and we'd have to send out press kits and stuff. And now I just call up libraries and kind of explain the concept to them, and they're ready to have us come play, like with a phone call. So it's it's super easy from that perspective. It's, it's also a lot more fun, you know, because people are so into Harry Potter and they just, I don't know, I guess they really like the idea of Harry playing in a rock band because <laughs> uh, they He's come to our rock. shows and they have an awesome time. So it's really fun for us. You went to the UK in February. Yeah. I uh, played a few shows over there. That was cold. Cold or cool? It's cold in February. Then. Yeah, I was there in January, in oh. December. <laughs> it was very in Scotland. It was very. Oh, cold. oh I bet that's even colder. But um, when you were over there and you got to meet the UK fans, were they um, were they like, what are these crazy Americans doing to our Harry Potter? No, they were pretty welcoming. I think yeah. it was it was different for us because we. We didn't get to play any libraries because we had to borrow gear, so we booked all these shows with other bands. So we were we could... playing in clubs. Yeah. And like, we played with a bunch of hardcore bands when we did our London show, so it was like two hardcore bands, then Harry and the Potters, <laughs> then two more. It, it was cool. Really screamy, cookie monster kind of <laughs> stuff. But they loved us, and you know, I don't think we didn't get too many comments like, why are, why are you. Uh, you know, not faking a British accent or anything like that. I think, well, I think also, like, rock and roll is an American sort of thing. And, um, you know, there are plenty of British people who affect an American accent to sing, so why wouldn't Harry Potter, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Your first CD, Harry and the Potter, seems to cover books one through four. Right. Pretty much in chronological order. We wrote that before the fifth book came right. out. Yeah. And then your second CD, Voldemort Can't Stop the Rock, is about the fifth book. So are you Mostly. doing a next, yeah. another CD for about the sixth one? Well, we're we're not going to promise anything till we actually have some songs written. <laughs> right now we've only got one new song that we've wrote, and we'll probably play it today. Um, but it's, it's kind of tough. You, you don't want to start playing new songs full of spoilers until like people have had enough time to really absorb the book you don't want to like spoil anything for them really so we we're kind of um you know working with that right now and i think i think if we get enough songs probably do something else so how did you feel about book six i think it might be my favorite one um i was i was pretty psyched about all the dumbledore action it's um, I I was actually really glad to see lots of Dumbledore Harry action because Dumbledore is our favorite character, and um, you know it was cool. We were 
Paul, Paul had always wanted to write a song about Dumbledore break dancing. So when, when we, we were reading the book out loud at first, he was like, oh, this is sweet. We can write a song about how Harry and Dumbledore are having private lessons, but they're really break dancing lessons. But then, um, I don't know, when we finished the book, we were like, oh, that's probably in bad taste now. <laughs> so, oh, I'm um, Dumbledore break dancing. <laughs> It would have been cool. <laughs> it really but, would have been cool. But yeah, the book, uh, we're, we're having, I think our goal um, for at least writing songs about this new book is, you know, trying to make them more hopeful. We don't want to be a depressing band, so right. <laughs> we're trying well, to put a positive spin. <laughs> it's harder for us, but the books are more enjoyable, I think. I know. Yeah. They're taking the leap from children's literature to something... I don't know, more universal. I thought Harry was, you know, he was pretty moody in book five, and now he's really kind of come into his own, and he's got... He's a grown-up. He, yeah, he's like a grown-up now, and he's really talking to grown-ups on the same level and even, you know, bossing them around to a certain extent. Um, and it's, it's nice that he's grown up and sort of... Uh, he's not... Nearly, he's like a, it's like a painful character in book five, where he's just kind of nonstop griping, and uh, you know, you just get mad with him. And book six, you're really happy for him that he's grown up, and it's good. Like book seven, maybe he'll turn into a really good wizard finally. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't think he's quite up to par? He gets super lucky. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny. He's more. He's really like. That's the funny thing is he's like. Yeah, Harry's pretty much a crappy wizard. Who <laughs> gets lucky? He needs to study more. Okay, well that's what he's got Hermione for. <laughs> yeah, they make a good team. Except that Ron's also a crappy wizard, so I don't know what. <laughs> Ron's like comic relief, I guess. So, Snape, good, evil, misunderstood. I think Dumbledore was right. And, you know, because I love him. And it would be, I, for him to be justified in his judgment, uh, whether Snape is, like, good, um, I don't know. I think Snape's going to be good. Yeah, I think it's. I think he's the most fascinating character in the whole book. Um, and he's been great to read. And we just listened to, like, all all the books on tape while we were on tour and you know after having read the sixth book it was great to go back and kind of like look at all the clues along the way and be like well is Snape good or is he bad and I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards good still I think there's a lot of evidence for uh, good um, but it's going to play out very interestingly in book seven I think I think it's it's great. It could have just been, like, the good and evil story, but the character of Snape adds so much to the story. And you didn't even really see it coming until, like, the last two books that he was going to play such a huge role. You thought he was just, like, the evil teacher that Harry had to put up with. But he's great. One of my favorite characters. Any predictions for book seven? Um, that's not our job. Hopes, maybe. Um, you know, I guess love's gonna triumph over evil in the end. So I'm not exactly sure how that's gonna play out, but it'll be cool. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people dying, 
<laughs> Probably. <laughs> like, uh, I don't think any of the major players, like uh, Harry, Ron, Hermione, but, you know, Voldemort. Mm. I think Snape probably get it. It'll be it'll be oh, fun. Yeah. Fun read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts being rock wizards? You know, it's important to read and rock simultaneously. Do yeah. both at the same time. We're just glad we get that chance to promote both reading and rocking simultaneously and do it in either a rock club like this or a place like a library, you know, it's great to have that opportunity. So hopefully people keep coming out and supporting the wizard rock and keep reading and rocking. And in an effort to uphold the grand tradition of reading and rocking, Pottercast is proud to present a new song from Harry and the Potters, straight from book six. Down to the last days of our Potter fans for Katrina Victims Drive. Harry Potter fans have come together to raise about $6,000 for those so devastatingly affected by Hurricane Katrina. If you're thinking of donating, you can go to pottercast.com where the donation link will be up for a few extra days. If you've put the button on your site, please let us know at potterforkatrina at gmail.com. That's potterforkatrina at gmail.com. You can also li- visit our list of website supporters as a way of thanking them for taking part in this drive. Thank you to everybody who took part, specifically MuggleNet.com, for joining up with us for this for this effort. Uh, we will have up we have updates for you as soon as we get them on where the money's going and when it does. Thanks again. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's modcast. 
Everyone will please not panic. Hello and welcome to this week's modcast. I'm Alex Robin, also known on the boards as GH Alex. Hi, I'm Doris Herman, also known on the boards as Darcy. Hi, I'm Michelle Callahan. I'm known on the boards as Shellykins. I'm Laurie Damrell, otherwise known as Aspidal Wormwood. I'm Erin Yesbick, known on the forums as Lady Stratford, and today we'll be discussing Godric's Hollow. So what are your thoughts about it, guys? Well, there's quite, there's quite a lot, really. I mean, given how much we've had, like, in canon, there's been so much supposition as to, um, you know, the exact events of um, when the Dark Lord was defeated, um, connections to the past, you know, Godric's Hollow, Godric's Gryffindor, was there someone there, um, you know, Lillian James, and did they live there, um, what were their jobs, that sort of thing. So, well, they um, did live there. But did they? Or was it just somewhere where they stayed? Yeah, was it their safe house? We don't oh. know either way. And I think it was a, I mean, could it have been a safe house? Also, the tie-in with Godric's Hollow and Godric's Gryffindor, and there's the, the man who, Bowman, or the wizard right? who invented the snitch. Yeah, right. He lived in, in Godric's Hollow. There's so, there's so many connections that I just, I can't help but think that this has something to do with something that's more important that we just don't know about Which yet. Which is why Harry's going there in the last book, because it's right. sort of an ultimate well, that location. Yeah, they're buried there. Yeah. Right. Which is a, it's a muggle village, so that means that they're buried in a muggle village? A muggle graveyard? Does it? Or, I don't know. Or if Godric Gryffindor did come from there, then maybe there's a wizarding graveyard that's somewhere hidden, you know, under sort of, you know, under charm or something. Right, like the leaky cauldron, only wizards can see it. Yeah, and it could be that. Right. I don't know. I mean, it's just... Well, if they did live there, was it from where James was? Is James from there? Is his parents from there? Yeah, because that's what I think. Yeah, it's so, a right. family thing. He might have been hiding there, but I think he is from there. I thought they, I thought the family was from Godric's Hollow, because you look at it, all of the Death Eaters that were related to the Black family know where the headquarters of the Order, and they not, didn't necessarily know that it was the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix, but they know where that house was, and so the Fidelius charm keeps them from seeing it, kept kept them from seeing it. So the same thing could be true. It, my thought is that James and Lily don't have a different house; they just hid the house that they were in. That That's what I thought. I've never thought of it being a safe house. I've always thought of it being where they lived. I agree. What about the thought that somebody else is at the house the night that um, Lily and James died? I mean, that that kind of fascinates me because I know in the movie, um, Joe Rowling was very meticulous about the way she wanted that that particular scene pictured and how she wanted it shown to people that it makes me wonder if there was something going on there that later on we're going to find out somebody somebody was there there's a thread right now in history of magic titled godric's hollow um how do we know if someone else was there i mean it's really interesting to listen to people's ideas whether or not somebody else was there or whether i think they got the wand before anybody showed up to the house I think somebody grabbed Voldemort's wand. I could be wrong about that. But would that, why, why would he have taken someone with him just to go and kill a baby? Right. Well, I, and I wonder if, if he were trying to make a horcrux with Harry's death, I wonder if somebody else needed to be there for, for that to occur. I mean, did somebody else have to, be, have to be there? Did someone else have to do the spell? Who was it? You know, and, and then was it possibly Snape? You know, that's kind of really interesting. I, well, I, I think, think that, that, that would have been Peter had... Uh, I think Peter might have just gone with Lord Voldemort. I think he might have just 
Voldemort might have said, let's go right now. Right. Well, I thought the way that the charm had to work, though, was that the person who was there had to write it out. Like when Harry goes to Grimwald Place, he reads a piece of paper, but Dumbledore had right. to be the one to right. write it. Because he was the secret keeper. So that meant all that, that Peter would need to write it down because Peter was the secret keeper. Well, I think in, in Peter's role as the spy, he couldn't, as soon as he had the Fidelius performed, I don't think he could just dash off to Voldemort. Because I think he still had to have some sort of a cover. If he left right away, there's a very good chance that Lily and James would have been alerted and not been, you know, not been there. It wasn't something major. It was just killing a baby. Exactly. It wasn't a big deal. Right. Because he hadn't heard the entire prophecy. No. Well, Sabriel rules. She points out in the thread that she he could have took Wormtail for the fact that if Wormtail lied to him about the actual location he could have tortured him or killed him you know that's true bringing him with him makes makes sure that he's telling the yeah. truth yeah and could easily run away like he did i mean he was undercover for who knows how many years as a rat and i think well it depends whether the dark lord knew of his anime guy pos- uh, properties it was 12 years i think that he was yeah. undercover well this is interesting here's a thought about peter pettigrew as it relates to godric's hollow But last week we talked about Snape and how did he prove himself to Dumbledore. We need to ask ourselves a question. How did Peter prove himself to Voldemort? Did he need to prove himself or did the Dark Lord just simply say, right, you're in with the order, I want you, you will do as I say. And because Peter was, you know, he wanted to be in, he said, yes, yes, I'll do it, don't kill me. I think the one thing about Peter, unlike some of the other uh, people like Lucius, I think Peter's really a coward. I think that he became a member of the a death eater because he was afraid not because he, he had some proxy. altruistic reason yeah he's not really an honorable person i think that perhaps some of these murders that we've had that we think of the the pruitts and some of the other deaths in the order of the phoenix perhaps they came that that was the 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 payment that peter made to become a death eater i kind of wonder if he didn't actually become a death eater until he ratted out, which is really kind of a stupid analogy, but he ratted out <laughs> James and Lily. I think he did that to save his own skin, and when he did it, he he became a Death Eater, because if he didn't become a Death Eater, he knew that his friends would kill him. They would himself. have to have been previous contact, because Peter was in hiding. Voldemort then, I would think, um, picked Peter Pettigrew for the fact he had already maybe heard he was a coward, and he knew he could be easily yeah, manipulated. And he was so close. I don't think Lord Voldemort picked Peter, though. I think Peter went to him. There was always the sense from from everybody involved, from what we can tell. You know, even the teachers realized that Peter struggled to keep up with the other three. And I think the resentment quite possibly started back when he was in school. And I think that at some point he didn't, he just, he couldn't couldn't take any more. I don't know. I mean, going to the Dark Lord who kills people, you know, people just sort of get in his way. He's probably thinking, oh, what have I got to offer? Why, why would the Dark Lord want me? You know, I mean, yes, he could go up and say, yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever. But why why would Peter think that the Dark Lord would accept him and not just kill him outright? If he was that cowardly. If he came with information that the Dark Lord would could use. The Dark Lord's not stupid. The Dark Lord, Voldemort, is not stupid. He's going to use what he can get. Come on, Aaron. We know you're a Death Eater. You can just call him the Dark Lord. We know. Yes, you are. You and Lord, you're rubbing off on me, woman. I'm, She's the I'm, bad I'm girl. You're Bellatrix in hiding. Guys, you know. Tom's mine. He's mine. No. You can have Tom. Yeah, he We're okay with that. 
<laughs> yeah, take Thank him, you. please. Thank you. Laurie just runs off at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know I worry about you, Laurie. <laughs> yeah, I worry about me too. So all of that to say, I think that Peter came to him with information, perhaps going through Snape. Who then went to the Dark Lord. Yes, to, to, Voldemort. to Voldemort. Yes, Alex. Alex, you just called you him the Dark Lord, too. I know that. <laughs> because Snape would be like, oh, yes, Master, you know, I've got some guy, you know, he wants to join up with you. Um, so that's sort of Snape getting a bit of the uh, glory for finding a source of information. So you think that Snape kind of fixed Peter and the Dark Lord up? Yeah. Which I'm, I don't normally call him that, but it's just because I'm in the presence of Death Eaters that I call him that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Death Eater. I just, I, it, from listening to Laurie. That's what it is. It's Lori's fault. It's my Death Eater power. <laughs> Alex, we know you're a Death Eater in training, just yes, like but Malfoy. I'm more Death than Malfoy. <laughs> I can. I would actually have killed Dumbledore. Yeah. Well, because did Alex has HTML. Did I say that? <laughs> did I say that out loud? Excuse me. <laughs> so, as far as Godric's Hollow goes, um, do you? Th- where do you think? James got his money. I've always liked the tie-in that possibly was in Godric's Hollow because he's related to Godric Gryffindor and there's some sort of financial gain. There's a lot of money being being a founder. (laughs) (laughs) Even over a thousand years, you know, even just something like 0.5% interest, you're going to earn loads. Okay, are you going to teach us math now, Lori? Are we going to have to learn math? (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) The child doesn't condone muggle studies. You guys have been talking about this the entire time. Who invented the snitch? I've, I've never his heard of someone is, inventing His name is Bowman Wright, and in the Quidditch Through the Ages book, they, uh, Joe says that he... Yeah, okay, Alex, Alex, I'm sending John Noe a copy of Harry Potter for Dummies. I'll just go buy you a copy, too, and I'll send it to you, okay? <laughs> well, I've read all the books thousands of times. So I've only read Fantastic Beasts once, and I lost Quidditch Through the Ages. Well, there you go. I've only read them once myself, so don't feel too yeah, bad. Yeah, I've read them two or three times because they're short and I can concentrate on them. Yeah, I read the little, I read the little Harry and Ron comments in them more than I do anything. <laughs> they're funny. There are a lot of people who have this theory that there's a connection between the guy who invented the snitch, who lived in Godric's Hollow, when he invented it, and the Potters. And is there actually a, a connection there, or is it something that we're just sort of overly analyzing into it? But if there is, that might account for some of the money that James has if they were related. Then the money from him inventing the snitch would eventually have gone to James, and it might, it might kind of give us an idea of why Harry is naturally such a good seeker, because that did really seem to be a characteristic that he just had, and it wasn't something he had to work right. on. Natural talent. Yes, much like you, Alex, just naturally <laughs> talented in so many vast <laughs> ways. Star, as it were. Yes, our little Alex. Well, I think that just about finishes it. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Laurie Damarell, otherwise known as Asphodel Wormwood. I'm Erin Yesbeck, known as Lady Stratford. I'm Doris Herman, known as Darcy. I'm Alex Robin, known on the boards as G.H. Alex. And I'm Michelle Callahan, known on the boards as Shellykins M. Parker. And we thank you for listening to the podcast. And if you want to discuss this further, you can go to leakylounge.com. Time to put on our extendable ears. Listen in on Potter Talk from the people making the magic. Welcome to this week's Extendable Ears. I'm Melissa from Leaky, and I'm really happy to have with us Matt Lewis, who plays Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter films. So, hey, Matt. 
Hi, how are you? Um, very well. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So where are you now? You're up in Leeds. I am, yeah. How's the lovely Leeds? It's pretty miserable at the minute. <laughs> Why? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the weather's not too good. I mean, it's not raining yet, but it's not too bright either. Ooh. And are you studying? No, I'm, I'm watching the cricket. <laughs> Should you be studying? Probably. <laughs> so let's explain what's going on. Matt, you said you're, you're taking, you're preparing to take your A-levels. Yes. And how many of those are you are you taking? Well, um, I'm taking four AS levels, and um, whether I'll go on to take all four of them for the actual A2 grade, I'm not too sure. Um, but I'm going to be taking psychology, law, theology, and English language. So what made you interested in psychology and law and theology? Uh, you know, I really don't know. Um, law was because my mum's a magistrate, and I thought, well, she can help me with that one. Theology... Uh, I was probably just reading the Da Vinci Code. I don't know. <laughs> Did you like the Da Vinci Code, I guess? Yeah, I loved it, yeah. yeah. Really good. Did you read the one before it, Angels and Demons? I actually read that afterwards, but yeah, I have read it. I did the same thing. I read it after. Which one did you find better? Da Vinci Code. But I did enjoy Angels and Demons. So you're a big reader? Yeah, I like to read a lot, yeah. Well, what are some of your favorites? Uh, Harry Potter's good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really, really enjoy the Da Vinci Code and... um. I'm reading Andy McNabb at the minute. Um, oh. I'm, I'm really enjoying some of his books. He's written a lot of uh, uh, non-fiction books and also some fiction books. I'm reading his fiction uh, series at the minute. Let's talk right about book six. When did you read it? Um, I read it when it came out, actually. The first week it came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I read it in, in about three days. I was really, really into it. And I was a bit annoyed, actually, because I read it before a big, long train journey I had, and so I had nothing to read. Yeah, because I couldn't, I was thinking, all right, I'll leave the last few chapters till tomorrow, and I can do something on the train. But I couldn't do it. I read it all that night. Yeah. It has that effect. You can't put yeah, it down. absolutely. So what were your favorite parts? I quite liked, uh, <laughs> so a bit morbid, I quite liked Aragog's funeral. That was pretty funny. <laughs> With uh, Slughorn. Slughorn was really funny in that, in that uh, scene. Mm-hmm. And um, I like that the big battle at the end was good as well. Yeah. Didn't expect uh, thanks to Malfoy to have the guts, but yeah, uh, he, uh, he was there at the end. Yeah. What do you think, Snape, good or bad? Uh, I I really don't think that he's bad. I just I don't. I think he's still a good guy. Yeah. What yeah. What do you What is it you think that because this is now the number one debate in the Harry Potter fandom? So why Why is he not bad? I I, I've been putting it through my head so many different ways, thinking, right, what, what, what could be a reason for why he's done that? How could this have been a big plan? And I really don't know. Just the fact that he trusted him, and I don't know. I just get the feeling that he's he's a good guy. Mm -hmm. You mean the fact that Dumbledore trusted him? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what it is. I really don't. It's like nothing, nothing concrete to, to show me of it. I just I'm convinced that he's a good guy. Yeah. Was that right away, or did you have a moment of doubt? Oh, yeah, there was a moment when he killed him, but uh, other than that, uh, I think, well, we'll find that in book seven, but I I think he's a good guy. I think the, the, the Dumbledore would know if he wasn't. What do you think's going to happen in seven? Do you think he'll live? Uh, Snape. I, Snape. Oh, Snape. Um, cool, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he'll, he'll see it through to the end, because he's got something, he's planning something. And I think that it's it's going to be important that he he survives to go through with what he's doing. Mm -hmm. 
I think he'll, he'll live it through. So you think he's he's working against Voldemort, and whatever he does will be so helpful to Harry? Yeah, the, on, the only way he could possibly get in and make himself one of the inner circle would be to kill the big enemy of Voldemort and Mount Bar Harry, Dumbledore. Yeah. So I think it's a, a, an innovative way of getting into the Voldemort inner circle. Yeah. If he wasn't there already, but... Oh, well, yeah, true, he was, he was still learning all the plans and stuff, but... Well, but if there were any lingering doubts... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, then he was... Now he's definitely fully trusted. <laughs> that was sort of... That would sort of do it, you think? Yeah, <laughs> it did it for me. Yeah. If I was Voldemort, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for killing my enemy, dude. Come have lunch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> So what about what about Harry? What are you? Do you have now conjectures for the rest of the series? It's going to be well. It's interesting the way at the end of the book, the way he goes off on. Uh, it gives the impression that it's just going to be sort of Harry, Ron, and Hermione all on their own, and yeah. it's going to be interesting to see the way that that comes through. And I, I thought it'd always be at Hogwarts mm. all the way through, but um, no, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see the way that that she's done this in the uh, seventh book. Yeah. Any theories on where there where there's a Horcrux? <sighs> what I have an idea. I reckon that um yeah, I said the uh, you know the the things that were being stolen by um oh, what's his name? Oh, I've forgotten his name now. The guy who's stealing jewelry from Sirius's house. Mundungus. Yes, Mundungus. Mm-hmm. I reckon that he's under the Imperius curse and is stealing a Horcrux. Oh. I think this is my my theory. You know, this is funny. I, I that's not a theory I've heard. Really? Which is, I mean, it's an original theory in the Harry Potter fandom. Is you know, uh, I thought it'd be an obvious one. Wow, because I my theory is that he um just sold just sold the locket. Because do you know that the locket is mentioned in book five? Is it? Yeah, there's a there's a locket in book five that they call a couple of times a heavy or one time a heavy object that nobody could open a heavy locket that nobody could open in Grimold Place. Ah, who do you think Rab is? Oh, I, oh, don't get me started. I've been going through so many things and it's annoyed me so much. <laughs> Why? I just I can't think of anybody and it's really really frustrating me. And I come up with someone I think no I can't be here. That's stupid. No, tell me. No, I really have nobody. I just caught myself and said, well, that doesn't even fit. Why would it be uh, Well, do you want me to give you a hint of who I think it might be? Go on, then. Do you remember a mention of a Sirius's brother? I do remember a mention. I don't remember any details, though. Well, his name was Regulus Black, RB. All ah, right. And he was a Death Eater who, who, who chickened out and apparently was, co- was killed on Voldemort's orders. That's what Sirius says. So we—that's the going theory. The big theory in the, in the fandom is that Rab is Sirius's brother, Regulus. Well, that would make sense because in, in the letter he leaves behind, he sort of says, "Well, if you, you're, I'll probably be dead by now," and all this. That would make sense. That's interesting. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to the seventh one now to find out. I've been reading a lot of people about different theories and things, and like I was given a book by. Uh, the Mugglemet guys. I don't know whether I don't have to say that. No, no. We're <laughs> everybody thinks we don't like each other. The Mugglemet guys and I are good friends. Which oh, book? Okay. Which book? Well, I was given a book by, by the Mugglemet guys, um, which was uh, it had a lot of different theories on, and and, and it pulled them all the threads together, saying, "Well, this is why this could be true," and 
and there's a lot of it that was I, I think could be really really interesting and and I'm really looking forward to seeing if any of them come through in the seventh book because people have worked really hard on coming up with their own theories and and, and going through books and seeing if they've they're got foundation and so I'm looking forward to see if, if many of them are true. Isn't it incredible how hard fans work on their? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, it's, it's amazing to think that people. I mean, it's not even the way people work so hard on on figuring something out as if it's a, a true story, as if it, they're, they're going to be able to help. And I think it's amazing the way the way people can get so engrossed in a book mm-hmm. that, that they they try and figure out the the next part and and what's going to happen. Like, it's in a real life detective. It's it's really really amazing the way uh, a fiction a kind of fiction could have that sort of effect on people. Yeah, yeah, and we're living during the time when this is the only time in the in, you know history this will be possible. In a little while, everybody will know what happens to Harry, and it'll be done. Yeah, exactly. It'll just it'll have happened, and then it'll disappear. Yeah, it's just a, it's a huge part of of sort of society today, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen when everyone's just going to forget about it, and there's going to be no more talking? That's it. Well, I think the, well, certainly the theorizing will. <laughs> well, yeah, that's Will end. But I think um, there'll always be fan discussion and there'll always be fan excitement. There's, there's a lot of um, fan fiction as well, which I think will, will continue after. after. Mm-hmm. Do you read also, fan fiction? I haven't read any, but I, I've, I've read it for, for other things. And um, again, it's, I, I've, just, I've been told about it several times I was saying I should check it out. And I went on one website, I can't remember now, but I went on one and just to see just how many there are and how long they are as well. Mm. People put so much effort into them. It's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so so when we when we spoke last, um, you thought Neville was, was going to die. I, I yeah, I, I thought that maybe maybe he might just you know, I mean he's he was that after the fifth book? Yes, that was between five and six. Yeah, I thought so. I, I thought I thought that he thought of, Served his purpose now, you know. He's, he's gone and helped Harry, and and he's, he's helped get through that last bit, and found out about the prophecy. And I thought, I thought that's it for him. Now he's he's gone. But uh, no, he's still there fighting as well in the end of the sixth book. Mm-hmm. And when 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 I saw that you heard about Neville's limp body on the ground, I thought, oh god, he's, he's two deaths in the one book. Yeah. But no, yeah, he gets up and he's gone fighting. As Neville tends to do, huh? Never somehow manages to do all the time, yeah. yeah Always coming back tomorrow. He's incredible. So do you do you think now in seven he'll die? Uh, no, I, I, now that he's avoided it so many times, I think I think he'll uh, he'll get through it. Yeah. What do you think his role will be in in the next book? I really don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting because, like I said, it's it's not a Hogwarts anymore. It's. Um, mm. It's going to be interesting to see how she brings all, all the characters back into it. I'm looking forward to that. You know, it's, uh, how it's done. It's exciting to change setting completely and just go off with Harry and Ron and Hermione. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you, you don't really see... I mean, you hear about all these places, but you don't see the wizarding world, do you? It's all done at Hogwarts. It's going to be interesting to see all the sort of landmarks that are big wizard places. It's going to be really, really interesting and, and fun as well. I'm looking yeah. forward to reading it. Yeah, I think so. Romance. In book six, what did you think about all that? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it did, I didn't expect it actually, not at all. Especially not Harry. And, I mean, uh, Ron and Hermione. I thought, yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. no doubt about that one. 
and uh, they sort of touched on it a bit in uh, Harry Potter 3, the film. And um, I thought, yeah, 100%. But Harry and, and Ginny, that was a surprise. I mean, I, I, from early on in the book, I knew where she was going. But I, I didn't I didn't expect it at all. And that, was, that was a surprise. She seemed so happy with Dean Thomas. <laughs> was Alfie upset to lose Ginny? I haven't to, actually. I don't know. How well, it'll be an interesting movie for him. <laughs> Yeah. Has there been any teasing between you guys about all the all the romance that you'll now be acting out in a short amount of time? I really like haven't seen anybody uh, since reading the sixth book. I think I saw I saw um, Rupert and Dan uh, quickly uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that I only saw them briefly. I didn't really get to speak about much, so I really haven't. But I'm sure next year if everybody's back, I'll. Uh, I was bringing it up. You're going to be teasing people? Possibly. I'll have to go and say. I mean, I mean uh, at the end of the day, they're all, they're all yeah. acting, but it could be a bit fun, you know. <laughs> of, of everybody on set, who's the one likely to make the biggest joke out of it all? Uh, probably James Phelps. Really? Say. Fred Weasley, yeah. Yeah, he loves it. He loves a good laugh. Neville, who 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 would you want to see him with? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Little of good. Do you know um, that J.K. Rowling said that that's not that she shot it down on her site? Really? Yeah, she said that Neville and Luna shippers, it's just not going to happen because Neville is would always be too alarmed by Luna's wacky brand. That's totally true, actually. Yeah, she, she's got that one right. Actually, I just think that um, I, I just thought totally off the top of my head that uh, that they were she was sort of a bit crazy and and he was a total opposite, and it sort of went, <laughs> could have been quite quite funny, but. In, in the form of his character, then she's, she's probably got that absolutely right. He's, he's always terrified of her, <laughs> I think. Yep. So if you can, if you could pick somebody now, who would you say? Somebody really shy and and um, somebody back off, let's think of someone. Um, there's not many, actually, is there? Because yeah. uh, uh, Ginny's not, not shy anymore and very up front and so it's definitely Hermione um, and, and, and you see at the uh, in the fourth book at the um, at the Yule Ball the Patel sisters yeah. they're not happy when Harry and Ron are ignoring them and uh, they're quite up front as well yeah. so I, I think you'd be scared of most of them <laughs> uh, yeah reading, reading the character in the, in the new sixth book you're probably scared of most of them and uh Wants to say to himself, I really have no idea yeah. who would be perfect for him. The only person I can think of is Hannah Abbott. Yeah, so quiet, not really. Yeah, don't really speak up too much. Yeah, and she tends to get mentioned in like herbology scenes, and we've we've seen that that's Neville's strong suit. Oh, she she mentioned me in quite a lot of herbology. That's my memory at the moment, anyway. All oh, right. Well, yeah, that's perfect match, then. <laughs> Excellent. That's it. We've decided, right? Yeah. Okay. J.K. Uh, Rowling, take a note. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Welcome to the mailbag segment for Pottercast number five. I'm Melissa from Leaky and I'm here with Sue from Leaky. Hello. Hey, I'm Kristen from Leaky. We got some great, great, great questions. So let's go. First one. Hi, my name is William. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm a parent to a nine-year-old Harry Potter lookalike. Um, I'm calling basically for two reasons. One, to 
say you're doing wonderful work, and even though we read the books to the boy, um, we both, my wife and I, have become addicted to the series and um, to the podcast. Um, also, I'd like to ask a question. What do you think uh, about the similarities between Harry Potter and um, Lord of the Rings? Just curious. Anyway, that's pretty much it. Thanks a lot. Great work. Keep going. Bye. Go ahead, Sue. I know, well, I know you have an opinion on this. I do. Um, I think there are a lot of similarities. Um, in fact, that was the one issue I had with this book, book six in particular, was the similarities of the chapter called The Cave and mm -hmm. um, things from The Lord of the Rings, particularly Frodo and Gollum and the boat. And um, if you've read the books, you can see a lot of it. But that was just... Um, I can really get into it, but I think there are a lot of similarities, but she makes some she makes the books unique onto her own. You know, I hadn't really thought about that, Sue, that one oh. the chapter. There is there are a lot of similarities there. There's so many. I mean, I was totally expecting Dobby to say pop up and say, Don't touch the lake, Mr. Harry. There are dead people in the lake. <laughs> I just I like freaked out. I guess probably because I was so tired, but I was like, Oh, That's the right. hell she Oh man! I you just, know, I hadn't yeah. even thought about that to this minute—that the dead people in the lake. lake well, okay, so 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 now it begs the question: How much of this is freaky similarity to Lord of the Rings, or just are these tropes of all fantasy that we're just seeing crop up in Harry Potter? I kind of think. I mean, Lord of the Rings really kind of established the the genre before Lord of the Rings. And correct me if I'm wrong. Um, my understanding is there really wasn't any kind of let's set this story entirely in this other world. Mm. Um, so I think it's going to be inevitable that anything that follows it is going to have, somewhere in there you're going to have similarities to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I, I sort of rankle because, I, I mean, I read Lord of the Rings and it took me a very long time to get through it. That doesn't mean anything. It just means that for me it wasn't my favorite read well, of some of my favorite movies but the point is that it's so it's such a different tale it's so thick yeah. and there are so many this the, the narrative is so different that when some people yeah, say like oh there's yeah. a big spider clearly she's taking from Tolkien like you know no. well, well the Lord Wizard of the Rings Merlin I mean he right. came before mm -hmm. came sure. off, so you know Lord of the Rings really has a lot of um, archetypes in it the the dialogue really isn't so much it's not so much critical as critical as just where the plot's going. Harry Potter is different, and then it's just so engaging. The dialogue is fantastic. The characters are so engaging. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm the same way. I've read Lord of the Rings one time, and I think had I read it a lot more, I would definitely be picking up on more similarities. But um, yeah, should you ever have to read a book more than once? We read Harry Potter eighteen times because we're crazy. But <laughs> I mean, well, if a book hasn't done its job the first time, has it done its job? I don't know. I mean, like, Pride and Prejudice, I've reread, like, every year <laughs> since I first read it. Yeah. Read. It's very difficult to read, especially with all the singing and... and um, Tom Bombadil. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought Tom should have been in the in the movie, but that's me, because I'm a, I'm a hobbit head, but... Um, <laughs> but I admit it, but, you know, I, I can understand why people would feel that way about that book. I mean, it, it is, it's not, you know... It's you know, the, the, Vinci the, thing code. Of it, the thing of it is, too, with the movies... You know, Peter Jackson had the benefit of, um, and now we're going to start talking just yeah. about Lord of the Rings. Forget Harry yeah. Potter. Yeah. Um, he had the benefit of, like, what? First of all, it was 50 years later, and second, it wasn't his baby. He could go through and pick out the wonderful things about mm -hmm. it that he wanted to bring to screen, and, and 
leave out the things he didn't think were as critical to the overall story. Well, so. then, then let, let's let's bring this back to Harry Potter. We have J.K. Rowling around, who can say, "Wait a second, you can't cut this out." So, how do right. you think her being around has has uh, helped or or hindered these films? I I'm sure it helps to a certain extent. I and I think they've done a great job with the films, but. I would actually really love to see these made into films like 10, 15, 20 years down the road after some time's passed. Um, after we know the story, after we know I the end. really do. Yes, yeah, because I think there's things she simply can't. Just say, you can't put this in here, but I can tell you why. Probably makes it really difficult for the filmmakers. I mean, I'm sure they love the input. Back to Lord of the Rings. Well, I'm definitely enjoying the Back films. to the similarities, though, between... Welcome to Ringcast, yeah. everybody. <laughs> you know, there, there, I mean, there's so many similarities. For, you know, I mean, there's Gandalf. There's, you know, the use of the word long bottom because there's a long bottom leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that it's so much the same because they're two different stories completely. So, I mean, sure, there's elements to the same. but um, Were there blood entrances well, I mean, in Lord of the Rings? I don't remember. Did you have to pay well, for an entrance in blood? But you had to decipher when they were going to the mines of Moria. You right. had to decipher, and so there was like a secret way to get into the to, to the cave. I kept saying too, he's on his way to find the precious when he's <laughs> looking for the Horcrux, and 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 I shouldn't. No precious, you on my way to find the precious, and it just was bad, you know. <laughs> okay, Sue's freaking me out. Yeah, man. All right. Well, we have talked about Lord of the Rings for ten minutes. Okay, I'm sorry. So we're gonna. We'll have to edit that. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to edit a little bit. Okay, but sorry. Let's, so yes. let's go on to the next one. Hey, podcast. It's Lizzie from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I have a random question. Um, I was just wondering, how many times have um, have you, Melissa, read um, read each Harry Potter book? I've read um, each of them around three times. Um, I was just wondering, and uh, thanks for doing the podcast. It's great. Bye. Okay, I guess I'll I guess I'll go first on this one since um, she asked me, but we should all answer it. I'm always hesitant to answer this question because I feel like I'm I'm going to lose, you know, Potter points or something. Um, it's surprising, but I've only read them cover to cover probably three times. However, and that's so low in when you think that I run this website. I've only sat down and read them fully three times. Prisoner of Azkaban, probably four or five. But... In what we do, in in all the references and questions we have to answer and things we have to check, I'm always rifling through them. I'm always looking for things. And so if I put all that together, I've probably read them 15 times each. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What about you guys? Um, I will be admit honest, and I admit I have only read Chamber of Secrets once because it was my least favorite of the books. Um, I think that I've read Azkaban probably four times and the same for Goblet, and I've um, read the first one. I sat down the last time, I, I, I thought, I'm going to sit down and read them all before, um, you know, Hapla Prince comes out, and yeah. I only got through the first book, and then I didn't get very far, then I picked up with, like, you know, Order of the Phoenix again, which I didn't get all the way through, so I can honestly say I've read them all through, all the way, at least once, but and then others more than the others. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to lose in this. Um, I've read them all once. I have listened to them all at least once. In some cases, I've listened to them two or three times. And I read the British version of the first book once. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Well, I totally thought that I was going to be the one to have read them the least out of you three, out of us. No. Well, I, I'm like you in that I've reread lots and lots of passages. And I feel like I know the books very well, but 
cover to cover, yeah, only not the, right. not so much. Yeah, it, I, I would agree with that too because I'd like to say that too. I mean, I do look up stuff, and particularly now when I'm we're, we're posting stuff about the movies and stuff, I want to make sure I have exactly right. So I will look up a page or a spelling or something, but that doesn't count as a whole sitting down and reading it cover to cover. Right, right. I I read um, by the time I had come home from England, I'd read Half Blood Prince the second time, and I I feel like soon. I'll go back and read um, and read it again. But o- Order of the Phoenix, I read once, and two months later, I made myself read a second time just to absorb it. But it's so cold and hard that I, I can't. It's not it's not a comfort book like book three. <laughs> I can't. I could not read it all the way through when the the supposed death happened. I threw the book <laughs> across the wall, and I refused to finish the book for the longest time, <laughs> even though I was working on the, on Leaky at that time. I just refused. So you know. Two years later, and Sue's still in denial. <gasps> Hi, Pottercast. Um, I love your show very much. I think it's an interesting way to bring about news and discussion of the Harry Potter series. I have a question I'd like to ask, however. I was thinking a little about what the outcome of Book 7 might be, which characters will die, that is. And I was wondering if one of the trio dies, who you think it would be. Granted, let's say you think Harry will survive. Do you think Ron or Hermione will die at the end? Like you said, Melissa, in the second Pottercast, I wouldn't put anything past J.K. Rowling. Do you think the chess game in book one, perhaps, is foreshadowing for Ron to sacrifice himself in the final battle? And not to bring up ships, but with the way J.K. Rowling has dragged out the relationship of Ron and Hermione, I could see her finally having them get together, and then soon after having one of them die, maybe writing that for dramatic effect or some sort. I was wondering what you all thought about that, and if you think that theory is plausible. Thanks. Bye. Listen to me. None of the trio will die. Kristen has, it, folks. Yeah, Kristen has decreed it. <laughs> Go ahead, Kristen. Why? Particularly Ron. None of them will die because I will implode. That's why. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know. You know, she's kind of a mean woman. She could very easily kill one of them. <laughs> I hope she's listening right now. <laughs> Joe, oh, don't you well, kill Don't you kill him? I'm, I mean you're mean in a very loving way, Joe, if you are listening. <laughs> um, that, that actually, she had some good points in her question. Um, there is certainly that possibility. <laughs> That's all she'll say. <laughs> but it's not going to happen, right, Kristen? But it's not going to happen because <laughs> I said so. <laughs> okay, we're not going to get an answer out of Kristen. So Sue, what do you what do you think? You know, there there's all that talk about Hermione and her, her name analysis, and from you know sacrificing herself and all that. I just do not think that any of the trio is going to die. I just, and that includes Harry. I'll go out and say it now. I don't think he's going to die. I don't think she's going to kill Ron. I don't think she's going to kill Hermione. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I just don't see it. I'm so. with you. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine because for the, the one of the three to die, it is such a devastating blow. It's so distracting to the rest of the books, to the rest of the book. It's so distracting to everything that there's got to be a rock-hard reason. And what reason do you have for making one of them die? Well, it seals Harry's sort of ambition and mission and he doesn't need that anymore he's good he's got it he's got it yeah so i think they're gonna be fine okay for the record i would just like to state that i summarized this very clearly in the beginning by saying (laughs) none of them will die (laughs) okay okay the question was which one do we think if one if one of them god forbid i don't think it's gonna happen but if one of them is gonna die i think it's gonna be wrong yeah i think so too we got an answer out of Kristen. hey Hey, it's like it's like one in the morning. Bite me. Yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 
you can edit that out. <laughs> no, leave it in. Leave I it think in. that's great, actually. Okay, if you would like to call us in the United States, please phone one four two five two nine six two four four five or one four two five by magic M A G I K. Clever, huh? And if you're in the UK, please use your plus number and zero two zero seven one nine three two eight seven two and call, 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 please. Or you can get us on Skype at the username Pottercast, or you can email us at staff at Pottercast.com. Oh, and if you want to email us a recording of your voice as a question, as a voicemail, that's fine, too. Yeah. Cool. So there, you've got so many ways to do it, there's just no excuse. Awesome. Well, awesome, guys. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, guys. <laughs> Jamie. Rock on, my friends. How much do I love Jamie Waylett? Awesome, guys. Awesome. He's going to be on eventually. I just, you know, he's 16, and you have to get him on his cell phone. Um, or, you know, or not get him at all. He is adorable. Yeah, he's a, he's a darling. Okay, guys, that's it. That's it. And wow. we'll see you next time. I'm Melissa. And I'm Sue. And I'm Kristen. And we're done. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. So we're back um, to, to wrap up this week's this week's Pottercast. I had fun on this one. I, we brought we brought John and Sue back. Um, uh, well, we had to answer back. a very special question. Yes, now, what is I, this question? Inquiring minds want to know the answer to this. Well, well we got a voicemail. Fandom. We got a voicemail, John. I haven't heard any voicemails yet. You, I've not been allowed to listen to voicemails. Why haven't you been allowed? Because you told me I wasn't allowed. Remember. Keep me um, on a tight chain. Oh, John. <laughs> okay, so, boys and girls. Anyway, so we got this voicemail. Hi, Pottercast Evil. This is Jake from Montreal, Quebec. I was just wondering, since I just listened to the uh, second crossover of uh, Pottercast Muzzlenet, Melissa, you stated that you're going over John, and you stated like that for the past three episodes of Pottercast. And it doesn't seem like you're serious or not. I was just wondering if you are or not. Um, that's all. Bye. I don't know, John. Should we be honest I'd, with him? I'd be curious to find this one out myself. <laughs> <laughs> John dumped me, everybody. I know. Yeah. It's all those he's getting so popular with all his with all his podcast appearances that all the girls are after him, and he's just he's just know. he's done with me. Beating him up with a stick. Wow. Well, see, you were dumped for groupies. I'm I'm so disappointed to hear that. I was dumped for groupies. Oh. What do you think? Should John keep his job after that? No. The dumb guy. <laughs> You're fired, John. revolt against you. And people love putting me with people that <laughs> I can't might. possibly yeah. have anything but a phone There are John Noe fan yes. clubs now. We I, only live I eight love states it. away. Oh, eight states and countries and Everybody yep. likes it. <laughs> <laughs> so who are you with? Uh, Sirius Black. He's, yeah, he's living that. in my bedroom. Sirius. He's a ghost. No. Does he also go trick-or-treating? No, he doesn't. That'd be an awesome costume for Halloween. <laughs> is to just put Being dead? Is to put a sheet over Being your head dead? and be like, "I'm serious black." And that's all you have to do. <laughs> is that what you're going to do then? I'm, this I'm Halloween? doing that because my Halloween budget is not very high. So I'm okay. just going to get some bed sheets with some cut some holes. Be like, "I'm serious black." Woo. I want you to come like that for the premiere of the Goblet of Fire. Yeah, everybody. Everybody just Promise look around us. for the guy with the sheet over his head. That'll be Sirius Black, a.k.a. me. 
And if you're good, I'll even give you a Ooh, serious pack. Watch out, I will. Serious pack is gonna get you. John, Peace. after that, I want you to take me back. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'll, I'll think about it. And this concludes our edition of As the Pottercast Turns. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> okay. We're, we got to we got to be done. Okay, guys. Next week, ne- we got to get serious for a minute. Yeah. Ooh. Next week. Good show. Next week. Next week. Yes. Well, next week we're gonna have a theme. Yeah. Um. Next week is Band Books Week. Band Books. And since that is a subject near and dear and very explosive to many, to the heart of many Harry Potter fans. We're going to focus on that. And I'm not sure if next week or the week after or something, the Muggle Minute Boys will be around on our podcast. We went to their podcast. They're going to come around to our podcast. And it's going to be fun. We're going to make them talk all about Potter and none about Emerson. Invasion, yeah. No one cares about Emerson, really, on Pottercast. They can talk about that all they want on their little little podcast that's floating a few spots under our podcast at the moment. Don't do that, John. (laughs) Just kidding, boys. I said, they, I said they, in the first special edition, we're going to flip back and forth. We I keep know. flipping we're, back we're and forth, and that is and fine. And they were up above us for weeks, and now we're back up yep. on top. And that'll last yep. for about a week, and then whatever. So, actually, I think, I think, <laughs> I think if people have gotten this far, we're already, we're already down. It's gone. Yeah, that sucks. So this <laughs> we've already reverted. Is our international relations podcast here. Yeah. Oh yes. my gosh, Sue, so, any last thoughts? No, I just want to flee. I'm done. Oh. <laughs> Had my fill of soap. I thought that was an excellent podcast. It was actually I, quite good. But very I good. Think Isn't Matt adorable? I think Melissa even secured another interview with Matt for next week. I can't I believe might how lucky we've gotten. He, he just keeps <laughs> yes. calling us back and wants to talk some more. <laughs> yes, we're, he's coming back next week. Yeah. We have our second, our part two of our interview. This week we talked about the book. Next week we'll start, we'll start getting into the movie um, yeah. for, for the next two editions. Okay, guys, last week we had, you'll remember, our last week's mailbag was a uh, impersonations contest. We had some fantastic ones. Actually, it was such a great reaction that we're, we're sure we're going to do it again in the future. So yeah. start yes. practicing. Yeah. The, the winner in a surprise run-up at the end <laughs> was Carolina from Poland, who did a really great impression of Luna Lovegood. Yay. She has the most votes. Our second and third places are Gina from New York, who did Snape, and Ginevra from Tennessee, who did Hermione and Ron. Very good. Um, Marauders, marauders, marauders. Oh, she's a marauder? Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes. Um... Marauders, for those who don't know, are this bunch of people who showed up on our comments and made friends themselves, and they call themselves the Marauders. Yes. So that's great. They were all they were all excellent entries, I have to say. All wonderful. But I'm happy for Carolina from Poland. This is very nice. Very good, Karina. We'll get in touch with her, and she will get something of her choosing up to a certain dollar value on um, on the Cauldron Shop. TheCauldronShop.com. We're going to give her a full-size Dobby from the Sharper Image for $930. (laughs) $600. It is $600. You can have a freaky little elf sitting in your room for $600. Yeah. I wonder if you can make him hold like a dinner plate or something, and you can give him your empty glasses at your parties. That'd be awesome. Let's see why I keep John around. Oh, man. Somebody, actually, somebody did ask that in voicemail, too. And they said, come on, Melissa, we know you're dating John. There has to be a reason you keep him around. Yeah. That's it. 
everybody. Signing off the Noe cast. This is Melissa. Uh, Noe cast. Let, let's hope there's a Noe left after this friggin' storm coming at Mr. Noe. <laughs> oh, yes. You're going to yes. be fine. You should evacuate, John. I know. At, at, at this hour. John's in Florida. We're ready to evacuate the Florida Keys. Good. So, Get the hell out. At this hour. Yes. So shut up. Please. Yep. Leave. That's not so we much I like much, you guys so because I'm doing a podcast while I should be packing my bags. Well, no, you should go. You should, as a matter of fact, you should go right now. I'm hanging up on the podcast. All right, here I go. Bye. Bye. We've missed it. <laughs> now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> I can't, my hands are sweating.